0: Good morning, uh, my name is Ruth. So when Vinny shared this morning about having a, a tough week um, and gave you the, the title for my preach, The Power To Be Witnesses, um, he kind of, well, my first paragraph is gone now. You've, you've <laughs> its fine. Because I was gonna share the same thing, kind of my same story um, for the last, last few weeks. Um, for, because this is being recorded and going out on the internet, I'm not going to give specific details. But many of you know where I work, and many of you know what's happening over the next 72 hours. Um, and that has put an awful lot of pressure on the office and my colleagues um, and the entire institution um, at which I'm employed. Uh, we work under a lot of pressure as it is. There is a lot of demand. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig right now. But it's come at us from all directions. It just at immense speed and pace and the the demand on on me and my crew has been immense and at times overwhelming and you know there there was one day we were gathering the managers in little huddles around the office going this is just so hard and we feel like we've got one if not two hands tied behind our back and this is just it's just so hard right now and um we then had a, I had a meeting with the rest of my senior team, and they're like, right, so how's, how's it going? How's the planning for this going? And I, well, I didn't hold back. Um, I was quite frank, may have used a few bad words, sorry, Mum, in that meeting, and I was, I was really frustrated and fed up, and some of that frustration is entirely righteous with the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, it is entirely justified to feel under pressure and to feel overwhelmed, but my behaviour, was not the best that it could be um, and my boss rang me later in the day he was working from home that day so not in the office and he rang me and he said uh, i heard you've been kicking off this morning and everything likes to poke a bit of fun i went well yeah it's a bit tough right now so the the reputation of my behavior had spread and i was not the only one everyone was 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 struggling with the with the pressure you know and um it was a tough day. That was that was last Thursday, a week last Thursday. I went to a funeral in the middle of a day for the, the mum of a colleague and some other other stuff happened. It was a it was a tough day and then Dan and I handed our children over to my mother-in-law. We got in a car and we drove for four and a half hours to Southampton and arriving at about eleven thirty having a little fun in the service station um, on the way, playing in the kids' toys. There's photographic evidence of Dan in a Peppa Pig rocket, if anyone wants to see what their new senior leader looks like when he's a bit tired. Um, and we, we got to Southampton for the Pioneer Network Leaders Conference with a number of other, other leaders here from, and from around the country and from uh, around the world. And the conference started on, on the Friday morning. We went and got coffee and pastries, Cause that, that's the way we do things. And we, we walked our way into the conference and it was really exciting. We got to see people we hadn't seen a while. We got to see new faces, familiar faces. It was great. We, we started worship. Is how we always open these things, isn't it? And, um, and then Ness Wilson, who's the leader of Pioneer UK, kind of spoke for a little while. And then her husband, Rich, spoke. Um, he'd been to Asbury in, I want to say Kentucky, am I right? Yeah, in the US. And there had been a, a move of the spirit in this, in this university, in this college. And God had done great things. And what spiritual commentators were saying about this was that this is not the hype. This, they wouldn't let the TV cameras in. They wouldn't let the celebrity worship leaders or preachers in. Um, they certainly wouldn't let them, you know, they might let them in the building, but they wouldn't let them speak or lead worship. They left it to the students in this in this chapel. And it, did it go for about three weeks, this move? And, and Rich Wilson was there for about 24 hours. And, and other people had, had been, and they said, it was very peaceful. That it was very, there was a great spirit of repentance. There wasn't huge ministry and shouting and wailing and falling over. None of those things are wrong. But there was no hype. It was very calm. And if people got a bit too kind of worked up or aggressive, they just took them out and said that 's not what we 're doing here. God is moving in this place and and he shared that, and we we went back into worship and by about ten thirty, we were completely off the program, like we had speakers and recorded all this, and we were we were back in worship. there were people all over the floor, um just God was doing an amazing thing, and we we went back into worship, and we did kind of get back back on the program. But God was doing a mighty thing. And whilst I was on the floor myself, I can tell you their carpet smells pretty bad. Central Hall in Southampton. I don't think it's been clean since the Methodists left it. You know, it's... I had to kind of come up for air. Um, But as I was was on the carpet, God really began to deal with me and some of this bad behaviour from the day before. And in a very holy way, he really undid me really kind of took me to pieces in a very gentle way. But like, this is, this is not it, Ruth. This is not who I've called you to be or certainly how to, how to be. And over the next kind of two days, he very gently put me back together again. I heard some incredible talks from people about discipleship, about, about being witnesses in our everyday world. Um, incredible times of ministry. Um, Ness Wilson prayed for me, um, which completely broke me to pieces. um, Had some words from God. It was a really, really powerful time, but we came away, we didn't feel hyped up. You know, like some conferences that we might have been to, you can feel, you know, they do the big, loud worship songs and, and you, yeah, yeah, this is amazing. But actually, God hasn't done that deep work in you. It's all peripheral and outside. But has he really done the deep work? And we came away feeling really like, some serious, deep work that we would be able to point back to was, was done at that time. And so God really challenged me while I was on the carpet about, well, whose power were you trying to work in this week, Ruth? Because it didn't feel like it was the Holy Spirit's power. Whose strengths were you operating in? Well, that was entirely mine. And then he said to me, well, what would it look like? if you moved in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you let the Holy Spirit fill every cell in your body, every area of your capacity, what if you did that job, completely given over to the Holy Spirit, how different would this week have looked? So some more repentance took place. And, you know, it, it's a process. It's a process. But God, God is really calling us to a time... Of repentance we've heard about that this morning he's calling us to be on our knees as a church it's all right we can sing i bow down i kneel down but we, we need to do some time on the carpet we need to do some time on our knees before the king of kings in in awe and of reverence before him because it's when we're in that place when we give ourselves over entirely to the holy spirit that is when there is space for his power. And that is when we are equipped to be witnesses in his place. So this is not my top three tips on how to be a great witness in the workplace or the playground or the supermarket. This is very briefly. If we turn ourselves over entirely to the Holy Spirit, we empty ourselves of all ego, self, agenda, passions that are not aligned with him, If we turn it over to him, what would it look like? What would our witness be like? How powerful could our conversations be if we truly turned ourselves entirely over to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues in the coffee room when nobody's listening. I'm talking about in those moments where the spaghetti has really hit the fan and there are people in this room who work in industries where it is, and it's not just me, it is a tough gig, like a really tough gig and you are stretched beyond what you think you can do and handle. What would it look like if we took a breath and let the Holy Spirit just come through that moment and our agenda to go and the King of Kings to take his place in that, in that moment. I want to read um, some scriptures from the Bible um, about this. So we're going to read from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, written by a man of the same name. Um, And we're going to the end of the book of Luke, chapter 24. Um, I'm going to read from verse... 44 to 53, Paul. I'm in the New Living Translation, but I just want to give some context of what's happened here because some of you, like me, maybe were stuck way back in... I start Deuteronomy today. I'm reading the Bible through chronologically. I have persevered through numbers. I have watched Bible Project videos on numbers I, st- I still don't get it. But it's Deuteronomy now, and so the blessing is coming. Um, so we may not be so familiar with Luke. So the context of what is happening is happening at the end of Luke, Jesus has been crucified. He has died. He was buried in the tomb on Friday evening. The, temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. There was an earthquake. Darkness covered the land. The king of kings, the lamb upon the throne, was slain. He was put in a tomb. Sunday morning, the women go to the tomb with their spices to embalm Jesus' body. They found the stone rolled away, not something that could have been done by human hands. And they find two angels in the tomb. And they say, Jesus isn't here. So the women run off to find the disciples, the 11 who are still standing, and they tell them what they've seen they give an account. They're witnesses. Jesus is not in the tomb. He was there on Friday. We were not here Saturday. It's Sunday, and he's not in the tomb. During the day, Jesus encounters, or rather the people encounter Jesus in various places. He encounters disciples. He encounters the women. They meet the resurrected Jesus. And we're picking up the story here after, it's quite funny, the the, Luke tells us that they watched Jesus eat a piece of broiled fish. I'm not sure what the significance of that is. Maybe someone will tell me, but they've just eaten Jesus, watch, eat a piece, they've just watched Jesus, <laughs> Eat Jesus? <laughs> no. Just watched Jesus eat a piece of fish. Anyway, so from verse 44, it says, then he said, and this is Jesus, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, the place, not a young lady, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. If we can go to Acts now, Acts chapter 1, we're going to just reread part of that account and then what happens next. So I'm going to read a bit of a chunk, but we believe in the public public reading of scriptures and the power of that. And if you feel stirred to lie on the floor or kneel or speak in tongues or say amen or ask God to do this in our day, please feel free to do that. I will not be put off at all. So this is Acts chapter one from verse one. Is it working, Paul, or have we crashed the internet? Okay, good. So this is titled The Promise of the Holy Spirit. In my first book, I told you, Theolophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud and while they were watching, they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Okay, we're gonna jump down a little bit there. Let's go to the beginning of chapter two, Paul, sorry. So this is, they appoint some people to uh, do some jobs, get a bit of structure, put some leaders in place. And then beginning of chapter two, hopefully familiar scriptures. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't called Pentecost until this happened. Okay, it wasn't in the calendar as Pentecost. On this day, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They explained. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then they describe all the places they can hear the languages from. Peter steps up, preaches and 3,000 people get saved that day. Because they were together in one place (laughs) in the presence of God and they were open to what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. I would encourage you to read the book of Acts like a bit of a film script. Imagine yourself in it. You're there. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? Or listen to it. There are many apps. If, you can't, if reading is a struggle, someone will read it to you. Imagine that you're there. Imagine what it would be like to be packed in that room. I imagine it was not a big room. I imagine there were a lot of people You'd have had to be quite friendly to be together in that place. What would it sound like when that sound, what does it describe like a mighty windstorm? What's that going to sound like in the house? What does that feel like? Were those tongues of fire hot? Could you feel them on your head? Did it singe your hair? Put yourself in that picture. And what would it be like when all these people rush in and go, you're speaking my language. How is that? You shouldn't know how to do that. And then they go out And 3,000 people hear the gospel and get saved. That is what living in the everyday supernatural could look like. That's what it did look like then. We're reading that book together in Hubs, aren't we? Everyday Supernatural. How to live a supernatural life without being weird. Love it. Just brilliant. If I could not be so weird, that would be good. But, you know, I am what I am. But that's what living in the everyday supernatural looked like at that point in time. I mean, we've got workplaces to go to, some of us. There's the school run to do, the glass recycling needs to go. Um, is it still in the car? Yep. Um, the dog needs a walk. You've got to have that discussion about renegotiating your mortgage rate. That light bulb in the kitchen, it needs changing. And Barry and Phil are busy. You've got to pick up that Amazon delivery because it's still next door and it's three days now and it's getting awkward. You know? But what if we did all of that in the power of the Holy Spirit like it fell on the church at Pentecost? What if we did all of that full of that power? What if we didn't walk out of here and not speak in tongues again until someone said, let's pray? I prayed in tongues in my car this week for the first time in a long time. I got home from work said to Danny, you all right? Yes, I am, but Josiah's a bit off colour. And I was like, I haven't got time for sick kids, sorry. So I had to go out, I had to go to fat club. And so I'm in the car on the six minute drive, just praying in tongues so hard. And then this week, I've like tried to continue to do that. What if we did our everyday stuff, full of the Holy Spirit, talking to God all the time? What would that look like? And what would that do in our everyday worlds? What if the power of our witness to Jesus in our everyday lives led to every conversation, being us being able to share something about how amazing our God is? What if we prayed in faith and laid hands on all the people that we knew who were sick? This is not the life and calling for those with a grand title of evangelist or for those who are employed by the church. The life filled with the spirit moving in everyday supernatural is for every single one of us. Yeah, it is. Every single one of us. We could have been in that room. We are in this room. It is for every single one of us. When the Holy Spirit fell for the first time in that room, it fell on everyone, not just the leaders, not just those who are at the front, not just the young and the energetic. It fell on every purpose. Sorry, it fell on every person and it fell for purpose. And every one of them would have been a witness to that. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses when I fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven. We will be witnesses. So let's do a quick word study on the word witness. Somebody who has seen something and has a story to tell about it. You may have had to give a witness statement. I was gonna tell you a funny story about when someone drove into my mini and wrote it off and I had to give a witness statement and they said, who caused the accident? And I said, well, my car was parked and I was in the bath, so I don't think it was me. Um, Anyway, you've got the short version. Your witness is you've seen something and there is a story to tell about it. Being a witness is not about being equipped to explain the gospel in two minutes or your testimony in two minutes. It's not about having a clever fancy drawing to show someone the cross across the bridge in the gap. It's not, it's not about having tools and techniques to be a witness. Is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And to be humble and to be honest about when things are just a bit rubbish. And to repent. That's why God gave us repentance. That's why Jesus paid the price because he knew we were not going to get it right every time or any time. I think there is a fresh emphasis on repentance, on humility and humbleness, on laying ourselves down and letting every space and every capacity be given entirely, wholeheartedly, unreservedly, without any barrier to Him his power, his grace, and his calling. There's just one thing I wanted to say about power, and then we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Trevor Shasta spoke to you about the gift, fruit, fruit of the Spirit a few weeks ago. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's kingdom power. That's what kingdom power looks like. It's not aggressive, it's not hard. It's not sharp, it's not unkind, it's not rough. It is peace, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, joy, peace, and love. That is what kingdom power looks like and that is what God enables us to do when we turn ourselves entirely over to him and his Holy Spirit.